right, what's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell on this Wednesday. It's hump day. That's right. Raja's out so I can say it. Raja is sick today. Hopefully he gets back soon, gets feeling better, and we'll get him back in here uh, as we miss our boy. Uh, Joey's going to help me out from the producer chair. We're going to have Dave Sampson. Uh, is going to join us at the bottom of the hour. This NBA versus China uh, situation is not going away anytime soon for Adam Silver. I think we'll get a really unique perspective from David Sampson as a former front office executive with the Florida Marlins. Uh, what does it mean for the ownership from that standpoint uh, in the bigger picture? I think he's got some really interesting views on that. Plus, we'll do a little bit of NBA as there's an NBA action in Ben Simmons hit a three-pointer. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, what does it mean for the Sixers star as he finally gets that hump off his back? But let's dive right into some of the NFL stories because there are some interesting developments yesterday. So if it was bad enough that Baker Mayfield got worked against the 49ers, had probably one of his worst games as a professional, that Nick Bosa was out there just trolling him with the planting the flag celebration. And Raja and I talked about that yesterday and how – Baker Mayfield wasn't in a place to talk. Well, that wasn't the worst of it uh, because Richard Sherman, after the game, had some very interesting comments on one Baker Mayfield. Essentially threw him under the bus, called out his sportsmanship by telling people what happened in the handshake line, if you will, at the coin toss. So Richard Sherman, after the game, said what's amazing, and talking about Baker Mayfield, what's amazing and annoying was him not shaking hands at the beginning. That's some college bleep. It's ridiculous. We're all trying to get psyched up, but shaking hands with your opponent, that's NFL etiquette. And when you pull Bush League stuff, that's disrespectful to the game. And believe me, that's going to get us fired up. So that kind of quote, I would say, went viral sometime after or during when we were on air yesterday. So we didn't get to talk about it. It's a good thing. Because you know what Raj and I would have done? We would have said, you're right, Richard Sherman. How dare Baker Mayfield not show sportsmanship? What a bushling thing, what a bushling thing, uh, thing to do. We would have been right on board slamming Baker Mayfield. And most people did when they read these initial quotes. There's one problem. It didn't actually happen the way that Richard Sherman described. There, and I don't, what I don't understand, and I kind of do have a hunch for why Richard Sherman brought this up. But what I can't understand is how he thinks he's going to get away with it in 2019 when there are cameras everywhere, including right in the shot that shows him shaking hands with Baker Mayfield before the game as the captains go up the field. There's about six cameras right around him, including one right in his face before he shakes hands with Baker Mayfield. And to me, what makes it even worse, I think Richard Sherman's face looks at Baker Mayfield as a little bit disrespectful, like, hey, punk. Like, hey, and he kind of walks by him, and Baker's still talking to him, and Richard Sherman walks right by him. Bottom line, Richard Sherman lied. He lied about this. Uh, You ask why? You know why I think he did? Because he loves attention. He's loved attention throughout his entire career, and his career has been in decline. Hasn't been as oppressive as he was when he was the beneficiary of an incredible defense when he was pretty much playing cover three corner the whole time, which isn't the hardest thing to do. He's not really your lockdown defensive back that he would like you to seem. I'd say he's been overrated for most of his career. Now, he's had a really nice career, but it's been in decline. He's been out of the spotlight, hasn't been featured as much uh, in offseason, NFL commercials, ads, and all those things. They've kind of gone quietly. But Richard Sherman's not going away quietly, which is why I think he brought this up. I think he saw this as an easy target. 
And the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield, who is struggling, he is a brash young quarterback who likes to talk a lot of trash. And Richard Sherman saw himself, this is an opportunity to inject himself into this conversation. It's exactly what I think he did. Now, Richard Sherman goes out yesterday, and he said, he tweeted out, Richard Sherman did, people freaking out over a handshake gave me a good laugh. I will lose no sleep over it, and it moved on to the next opponent. But yeah, that's great and all, but you did kind of throw Baker Mayfield under the bus, accusing him of doing something that he didn't actually do. You probably owe him an apology, as people have already questioned his reputation. He can't afford somebody like this coming out against him. I think that'd be the classy thing to do. You want to talk about class and sportsmanship and the NFL etiquette? You owe Baker Mayfield an apology. Come out and tell him, hey, man, sorry it was a bad look for you. That'd be the classy professional NFL etiquette thing to do. But somehow I don't think we get that from Richard Sherman. Um, also, a tweet from Albert Breer, who said it was Baker Mayfield darting away after the toss that really angered the 49ers. And there is a video of that as well. After they shake hands, they flip the coin, and as soon as it comes down, tails or heads, I don't know what it was, Baker Mayfield takes off, sprints, as well as his linebacker does next to him for the Cleveland Browns. I don't think that's that egregious. I think it happens all the time. Quarterback has to go start warming up, throw some balls, getting ready for play. Bottom line, Richard Sherman is becoming the juicy smolier of the NFL. If you don't know the reference I'm talking about, go check out Dave Chappelle's Netflix special because that's exactly what he's becoming. He's creating these stories that didn't actually happen. He needs to come clean with him and own up to it before he keeps throwing other dudes under the bus. Thought it was a messed up look from Richard Sherman. All right, let's keep it rolling around the NFL as we've got some other storylines that have come out. Joey's going to help me out. So, Joey, what else we got from the NFL news besides handshake gate that took place? Love the juicy Smoulier reference. <laughs> one of the It's going to go down as one of the great all-time stand-up uh, specials ever. Also, I just got to say this, I don't like Raja being out ever, and I hope he gets better. But last week I had some one-on-one time with him, and I know you were a little jealous that you haven't had any one-on-one time with me, so I'm glad we get to do this. We get to have this time together. Um, me too. So around the league... The big news yesterday was obviously, or this week, has been Jay Gruden getting fired as Redskins head coach. Uh, yesterday, John Gruden was asked about his younger brother getting fired, and here's what uh, here's what he had to say. I'm going to join you at some point. No, I'm, I'm not going to speculate about it. I'm obviously very disappointed for my brother. It was a long night, you know, last couple nights. He's worked hard. Got a lot of respect for uh, for my brother, obviously, and disappointed for uh, him getting fired. Um, but my dad's been fired. I've been fired. Jay's been fired. And welcome to the uh, welcome to the club, bro. So, so now John Gruden. I don't know if you know this, Joey. He used to wear a hat, and it was I think it was like FFCA, and I don't know what the first F might have, might have I might actually know what it stood for, but it was the Fired Coaches Association, and that was his club. And I'm pretty sure that's what John Gruden is referencing. Welcome to the Leaping Fired Coaches Association. Like that's where you go, and he's right. Like when you say all these. You know, you look at these NFL jobs. I mean, find me a coach who's been around longer than 10 years. I mean, they just go, they get cycled through. And I think John Gruden also knows it's a bottom line business. If you are under 500 and had as many opportunities as Jay Gruden has, uh, you're not going to be around much longer. And I think he kind of knew that was happening. I will say this, Joey. I was a little bit bummed because in the, uh, in the rundown here, the highlight says John Gruden welcomes Jay Gruden to the club after getting fired. And I thought, it was a welcome press conference for Jay Gruden joining the Oakland Raiders staff as an analyst, which I predicted will happen. So I was like, yes, I'm going to be right already. But that wasn't to be the case. But I do think it is something to keep an eye out for. All right, what else from the NFL? 
Sam Darnold's back. He's been out for the last three games with mono. Um, this is just a week after he said he didn't want to die, <laughs> and now he's back. Uh, so I guess they're pretty confident that he's not going to die if he gets hit. Do, I, you know, I was reading something earlier that was interesting to me. Is this a good or a bad thing for Adam Gase? Because they're 0-4. Um, if he's back now and their offense is at full strength and they keep losing, how's this going to look for him? I See, I don't see any scenario where they don't keep losing. Uh, I think they're going to be winless when they play the Miami Dolphins because their next three games, Cowboys at home. I don't think they win that one. I think the Cowboys are going to be salty after losing two in a row. Then they have the Patriots. I don't think, I mean, that's not really news to anybody. I think they lose that game. Then they go to Jacksonville, which with Gardner Minshew playing the way he is, it's, they're going to be pretty impressive there. And if you go back and watch the Jets' first couple games when they did have Sam Darnold, he was okay, but I still think he has a long way to go. They have a lot of issues besides just the quarterback. And yes, it was glaringly bad, uh, bad. When you lose Trevor Simeon, your backup, and you're playing Luke Falk and some, you know, just some really, there's a big, massive drop off. I think they'll be better, but I don't think they're going to win. And I think it's an interesting point you bring up. Adam Gase, I think he gets a pass because it's his first year and he took over a mess and it's a rough rebuild. But I don't think the way he handles the media is going to do himself any favors, uh, favors. He's a different, character i guess I mean, that's kind of the polite way to look at it the way he handled the media in miami the miami media didn't exactly find themselves endeared to him they were kind of more than happy to see him go when you know the press conference the hat pulled low and he's shady eyes and he doesn't give you really the best answers and yeah I, that goes that can kind of help you or hurt you in some circumstances and i think in new york it's definitely going to hurt him so i think he gets the pass i don't think sam darnold coming back is a difference i did have this thought joey if you're playing in the NFL, which is really a slim window to be in, and the doctor said, and you're let's say you're, there's a $20 million salary at stake, and the doctor said, there's you're most likely okay. This is hypothetical. Most likely you're okay from this spleen issue, but there's still a 3% chance that it could harm you and possibly end your life. Is there, are you taking that chance? The 97% moving forward, or are you saying shut me down until there's 0.0? I'm, I'm shutting it down, but that's, that's just me. I mean, I, but I, I'm not taking any chances like that. I think if it was under three, I might take a swing at it. Like I wear some extra rib protection, some, some padding around the spleen area and say, you know what? 97% uh, pretty good odds, but I don't know. That's just me. And I did notice that in the headline that I saw that was talking about this Darnold injury did say most likely, or it wasn't a hundred percent. The spleen was totally clear. It was like most likely not an issue, which, you know, you go from last week's statement, as you said, that is uh, pretty interesting. I would want the hundred percent all clear if I was Sam Darnold, probably too. All right. What else we got? Uh, we've talked a few times on the show this season about when is Gronk, when are we going to see Gronk again on Sundays? And you guys were confident we would see him again this year on Sundays and he's back except he's going to be an analyst for the other guys. Um, and so he'll be, he's going to be a Fox analyst on Sundays. And I think one of the most interesting things that came out of this, this story was the uh, statement that Gronk put out where he said, I'm extremely excited to be joining Fox Sports for the past 25 years. They've offered top-notch NFL programming from the field to the booth to the studio. Their deep talent roster is unmatched which was important for me as I embark on this new chapter in my life because I'll 
because <laughs> I'll be able to learn from the best in the business. Um, I'm not questioning the validity of the statement. I'm just questioning the validity of it being a Gronk statement. That doesn't sound like Gronk. <laughs> no. There's no way Gronk said that. That sounds like a Fox Sports PR person uh, created that. Um, that's, and that's probably what happened, you know, having worked for some of these companies. And I'd be lying to say if it didn't happen at places that I've worked, they'll help you craft a statement that comes out there. A couple things from this I think are interesting. One, do we think Gronk is going to be good? I mean, when was the last time you heard Gronk eloquently speak about the game of football, like breakdown plays. Yes, he's hilarious. Yes, he gives you viral videos. Yes, he's a fun-loving personality. But is that going to translate to a, hey, I'm breaking down the uh, the Chiefs versus the Patriots uh, this weekend or whatever games are at stake? Is he gonna is he gonna be good in that aspect? I don't know. Maybe he's awesome. I will say this: we've seen a lot of broadcasters fall flat in their face that we thought were going to be good because they were great with the media. And then all of a sudden you put him in that booth or you put him in the studio and it's a completely different outcome. I don't know. I don't, maybe Gronk will be great. I think he could be great. You know, if he's, he's not afraid to criticize and you go out there and he's obviously got it. You have to be a smart football player to survive in the New England Patriots system. So I think it'll be interesting from that standpoint. I also think is pretty, um, if you kind of look at the bigger picture, what Fox is doing with the WWE having the SmackDown on Friday night. I think that's also a place you're going to see a little bit of a crossover effect there because Gronk has shown, you know, his love with the WWE. He's been in uh, in that ring a couple times. I think that was one thing that made this sort of a, a collaboration that made a lot of sense from a lot of different standpoints. Uh, what else? We got one more? Yeah, we got one more. But also, Gronk's best friend is in WWE. And we saw, was the guy from MLB Network won the 24-7 title? Uh, or was it MLB? I forgot. It was no, one, it was Rob Stone Rob, from Fox Sports. Right, yeah. Rob Stone won it. And we saw it's, Ennis, there, there, we saw Ennis a... Cantor win it. Um, we've seen Kittle behind with guys jumping on him. So I have no doubt in my mind that at some point this season, Rob Gronkowski is going to win the 24-7 title on Sunday on Fox's set. I would put that at like minus 240 odds. I would, like a I, strong yeah, no, favorite. It's, 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 it's going to happen. And it's going to yeah. set him up for later on when he decides to join WWE. Um, all right, last one. So this happened on Sunday as well. We It's well reported. We've talked about it. The Stefan Diggs situation in Minnesota reports that he wants out. He says there's truth to all rumors. He had another bad game. And he was asked after the game about wanting to be in Minnesota and his situation. And here's what he had to say. And keep an eye on the uh, the facial expressions. You want to be in Minnesota? Yeah, I want to be in Minnesota. <laughs> all right. So if you are... Listening to the podcast, and you're not able to see it up here on CBS Sports HQ. Stefan Diggs talking to the media, says, yeah, I want to be here in Minnesota. And then he gives a little wink, a little wink at the reporter with a little smirk on his face. It's not the best wink I've ever seen either. It's almost like it's, it's like he struggles to wink. But he does wink clearly at the reporter with a little smirk on his face that is cute, I guess I would say it. But I would say be careful being cute because you don't want to tick off your own fan base, which I think is slowly what's going to happen in Minnesota they're going to get tired of the act, right? I think, it, you know, you're getting a lot of play socially. You're getting a lot of comments that are getting a lot of buzz. And it's fun to be the center of conversation sometimes. I understand that. But you got to be careful. You don't want to, you know, I know you want out. But also, all of a sudden, Minnesota got things back on track against the New York Giants. They're starting to play a little bit better. All of a sudden, what if things do turn around? Like, why would you want to burn that bridge? That's one thing I've always questioned. And maybe it's so bad that you just think you got to get out of here. You want to go play on a better team. You know, you're starting to go watch New England Patriots Instagram accounts and favorite them and follow all the Patriots players, which are things that he's done. Eh, 
what if it doesn't work out? What if your team doesn't want to move you and you actually end up having to play for the Minnesota Vikings? Just be careful being cute and being funny out there because people spend their hard-earned money. They go support you. They show up for the games. You don't want to lose those people because what if you end up playing there for the foreseeable future? It's just, I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's an immature mistake that Stefan Diggs make. But, hey, he's made it clear. It's out there. There's truth to the rumors trying to get traded. But I would say be careful what your wish feel until it's done. Just uh, handle it with a little bit more professionalism. That would be my advice. Uh, moving on to some NBA as the preseason is in full swing. And in just about 10 minutes, we're going to have David Sampson join us to discuss the NBA versus China fallout from the Daryl Morey tweet, which is not going anyway time, uh, any, going away anytime soon. We'll break that down with him. But in preseason action, the Philadelphia 76ers were playing against Joe. You want to take a stab at the name of the team that we're playing? Uh, I, I, Guan. Guangdong? Is that I think it's Guangzhou. Guangzhou? I'm going to go with Guangzhou. If you say it fast and confident, maybe they feel like you know what you're talking about. The Ganshu Long Lions, which the 676ers won 144-86, to dominant fashion. But the win wasn't the story of the game. It was Ben Simmons coming down the court for a pull-up three, which he drained, by the way. Or excuse me, this wasn't a pull-up. This was him walking around, pulling up at the end of the buzzer. It was kind of, Joey said it was... It was against the end of the buzzer, so he kind of didn't have a choice uh, right before the first half. But it looked smooth, and he hits it, and the crowd goes wild. Joel Embiid comes running over to give him a big hug. Dudes are throwing towels on the bench. Joel Embiid hugs him, almost brings him to the ground. I think this is its a little rough. Like here's We obviously know it's a mental hang-up that Ben Simmons has, right? And he's going to have to prove that he's capable of at least making some of these as he's 0 for 17 in his career, has not made a three-pointer as an NBA player. Opposing defenses are going to dare him to shoot it until he does. So we know that he has to get better at him. But when you have that sort of reaction, it almost, I wonder if Ben Simmons is embarrassed by that reaction because you're making it seem like, hey, it's this enormous monumental task when I think you would be better served and just acting like, yep, he made a three. This is what he's supposed to do as opposed to going out there and making such a big deal out of it because I think it brings even more attention to an already kind of stressful situation for Joel, uh, for Ben Simmons. Do you agree or disagree, Joey? When you, you know, we talked about it a little bit before the show, and I think, you know, hearing you explain it like that, I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, it, it could be like, you know, guys, this is my job, and I, I got better, and I did it, and all right, let's move on. Um, but there's the Phillies, just a unique team. They have been for a while. These guys. There's been talk in the past. There's been like rumors about how do Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and like what's their relationship and this and that. But look, I think it's pretty clear. You got you got Joel Embiid out here calling out Eagles fans to protect Mike Scott. Joel Embiid loves being a 76er. He loves being on that team. And and those guys, they've been through a lot, the process and the losing and all that stuff. And a lot of that can be attributed to Ben Simmons not necessarily living up totally to the hype uh, that he's had. So. I, I can't blame them. It, it's it's exciting for them, and it's exciting for fans, even if it's just one shot. I mean, one of the things we didn't get to talk about the other day uh, when we were breaking down Lonzo and, and Ben and Markel Fultz's shots were um, the implications of what those guys being able to shoot are. Yep. And I think the implications of Ben Simmons being able to shoot, even respectively from three, are so much higher than the other guys because – him being able to having players and teams now game plan for him now that they've seen that he can at least be respectable 
it, it can catapult him into top 10 type of player, top 5 type of player. And when you lose Jimmy Butler, J.J. Redick, there's talk about who's the ball going to go to at end of games. It's a, it's a good sight for that team. And I've said it. I think that if he can shoot the ball, even respectably, and he could be an end of game guy, that's an Eastern Conference champion and a potential NBA champion. Uh, absolutely. Got the talent on the roster. I would put, I would ask you, I have a, I have a question for you, a follow up question on Ben Simmons. What would you set the number of three pointers made for Ben Simmons this year? And like what you would judge as a successful season or percentage? What would you put it at? Um, I mean, I don't think he's going to take a ton. Uh, and he doesn't have to. He just has to showcase the ability right. so that I, defenses have to I'll, extend and at least respect yeah, it. Yeah, and I think one thing that's, that gets lost in the whole stretch big and, and wing players, uh, guys like him, like like Joel, people talk about Joel Embiid being able to shoot. Uh, he shot 30% from three last year. It's not necessarily about being a great shooter. It's about showing that you have the ability to make it so guys have to guard you out there. Um, but yeah. I would look if he shoots thirty percent from three, having never made a three in his life, that's a success. It's a start. Uh, I don't think he's going to take a ton. So made threes on the season. If he averages one made a game and he makes somewhere in the eighties, and he shoots thirty percent, that's pretty successful. Definitely, it'll be something to watch out for because I do think it does impact their season greatly. If he can, it could be that difference in them being a number one seed in the East or um, you know falling to a three or four spot. Um, Another great story of the NBA was you saw Michael Porter Jr. debuts for the Nuggets. The Nuggets were one of the quietest teams last year as a number two seed that maybe you've seen in history. Like maybe it's the lack of a real star figure. Maybe it's the fact of the market that they play in. Maybe it's the fact that the Golden State Warriors and Houston Rockets get most of the attention from the Western Conference. But Michael Porter Jr. is going to add to this roster, which already had a really impressive season last year. Michael Porter Jr. was probably one of those players that might have been a one, two, or three pick had he not been injured at his time in Missouri when he hit his back. So he dropped all the way to 14 and what may be one of the steals of that NBA draft. And to see him come back for the Nuggets to get out there to at least be running up and down the court to get nine points, to go four for seven for the field and give you 17 minutes in that game. I think you've got to be excited if you're a Nuggets fan and maybe you're even asking, hey, why aren't we getting more love? Now, you're not getting enough love because the Lakers got that much better. The Clippers got that much better. The Rockets got that much better. And the Warriors are the Warriors. So I think for the Denver Nuggets, maybe you try to play that chip on your shoulder card. But I think it's going to be an uphill battle. I do not think they'll be back in that one, two, or three seed this season. Joey, do you agree or disagree? I I agree. I do think the West got a lot better. Um, but to, you know, Roger talked about it the other day on the show when we were talking about who the top of the West were, uh, a catalyst to them becoming one back, uh, maybe an, a Western Conference champion eventually, is Michael Porter Jr. Um, and I watched that whole game. I watched every, or I watched all his minutes in the game, which also were at the end of the third quarter and the entire fourth. Um, it, look, it's exciting just for him to be playing and not be hurt. And yep. I was impressed. I had some ish- I had some concerns with him coming out of college with his athleticism in general. It's the way he plays. He plays kind of slow. Um, and, you know, the, all the injuries. So I'm concerned still a little bit about his athleticism and his ball handling. I, he reminds me a little bit of, of Rudy Gay in a sense that he's so big and he can shoot the ball, um, but he's not a great ball handler. So... For him to be that guy for them, he's going to have to develop that handle because I saw a lot of him like dribbling to go nowhere. But the, his ability, you saw those shots. 
that first shot, the first jumper he ever took in an NBA game was over Zach Collins, who's a legit seven-footer and played major minutes for the Blazers in a run of the Western Conference Finals last year. It's really good. I don't think it's going to make that immediate impact this year, but hopefully by next year, maybe he becomes that guy for them and him and Jokic and Jamal Murray become like a, a new big three. And then that could be that 14th pick all of a sudden looks like it pays off uh, in a big way if he comes back to full strength and is able to develop his game the way you're talking about. Um, Kevin Durant is a player who's not playing the season, obviously without Achilles uh, injury, signs with the Nets, joins up with Kyrie. I, full disclosure, never been a big fan of Kevin Durant, thought he was a little bit soft uh, when he played in OKC, getting upset about headlines from the newspaper, didn't love the fact that he joined a super team to try to go chase down that championship, of which he got a couple of those. Um, didn't love the way he claps back at a lot of people on social media, the burner counts, a lot of reasons. But all those things, I thought when Kevin Durant put his body on the line to help his teammates in Toronto and say, you know what? I don't care about my Achilles. I want to try to help win a championship. He goes out there and he gets hurt and he blows out his Achilles. That to me was like, man, I have mad respect for a guy who does that. And I actually started thinking maybe I'm looking at Kevin Durant the wrong way. And I wondered if maybe he'd be able to pull over some of his critics to the other side to become Kevin Durant fans like I was becoming. But then I got to say, hold on a second, because it still looks like Kevin Durant is the same guy that is deserving of a lot of criticism by some of the things that come out of his mouth that just don't make him very likable. And this new article, which has come out, um, he's caught some controversy again for himself when he was talking about the New York Knicks, the team on the other side of town of his Brooklyn Nets. And he said, quote, I think a lot of fans look at the Knicks as a brand and expect these younger players who in their lifetime don't remember the Knicks being good. I've seen the Knicks in the finals, but kids coming up after me didn't see that. The whole brand of the Knicks to them is not as cool as, say, the Golden State Warriors or even the Lakers or the Nets. Now, the cool thing right now is not the Knicks. All right, so there's a couple things to unpack with this statement. If you would have just taken the, hey, the Knicks aren't that cool anymore, I would have been okay with that. You know, they haven't been very relevant. They haven't been very good. They haven't been in the playoffs in what seems like a lifetime. I would be okay with that. But when you start lumping them in with the Golden State Warriors, I'd say, yeah, you know what? The Warriors are cooler than the Knicks. The Lakers, yeah, the Lakers probably always cooler than the Knicks, and they've had more success, and they have LeBron James. But when you say the Nets, too, are cooler than the Knicks, that's where we have to draw the line. And that's where I think Kevin Durant be, is being called out, and deservedly so, for being fraudulent because you can't make that statement. And he got peppered from New York Knicks fans because they're saying, hold on a second, this isn't right. And he's right. But do you know what Kevin Durant did? Instead of just letting him go, he had to go log on, get on there, and start clapping back at some of the fans, going back at them, some of them saying, hey, nobody asking for an autograph from KD in New York. Uh, and he says, I don't believe you. Another one says, KD, why you act like you can fight? A New York fight ain't regular. And he says, you don't even know that guy. And you want to be this cut man. Goes on to one of the best responses out there was a guy that challenged him, said, man, you need to find a girlfriend or something. That was the best reply I think I've said. And then Kevin Durant, uh, I've seen, then Kevin Durant had to respond and said, girlfriend or not, I'll still be in your head, which he probably will be. But Kevin Durant likes to play up that game. Like, hey, I like to mix it up. I like to get in with fans. I like to mix it up and get there and talk some trash. And don't come into me, don't come creating new shoes and calling out all the haters when you're stirring the pot. Don't complain about it when they don't come around for you. That's all I have to say on uh, Kevin Durant's Dale there. And you know, it's, we'll have to still wait to see him in a year when he has to play. And the unfortunate thing for the Nets, I don't think even if you won a championship, I don't think you'd overtake the Knicks. 
It's like the Yankees and the Mets. It's like the Cubs and the White Sox. It's like the Lakers and the Clippers. Lakers and the Clippers. You're always going to be second fiddle in that town. Deal with it. All Danny, right. Danny, I'll tell yeah. you, I'll tell you, having worked in the league and having lived in New York, it ain't happening, dude. It's just <laughs> not happening, KD. It, you're not. The, the Nets are. It's, it's like you said. If Kawhi, if Kawhi Leonard and Paul George win a title this year in L.A., the Lakers are still going to be L.A.'s team. If the Nets somehow win, which they're not going to this year, the Knicks are still going to be the team, and Knicks fans will just be miserable as long as they're miserable, and, and that's just how it's going to be. It's, and by the way, KD, the Warriors weren't cool because you were there. They were cool before you got there, and then you joined them. Yes. The Nets are not cool because you're there. You're not that cool. You're a great basketball player, but you're just not that cool. Exactly. Welcome back to Canel and Bell and sometimes Samson. He's back in the saddle today as Raja out sick. It's good to have you here. Not only to help us break down the China situation, but also big announcement. Like we got new stuff coming, new shows. What do you got going on, man? There's a lot going on. I had so much fun when it's Canel, Bell, and sometimes Samson that yeah. I decided that I like the sound of sort of Canel, Bell, and always Samson. <laughs> there you go. And which I is don't, what it's becoming. And I don't like sitting in front of his shot every time. Yep. So there's a new show. It's called Nothing Personal with David Sampson, where I get to be totally unfettered. It's an audio podcast. It's a video podcast. It'll be on HQ. It starts October 14th, this Monday. Download it. Subscribe. Unsubscribe, then resubscribe. Yes. You know the tricks of the game. Of course. I've been telling our followers to do that, too. You've got to do Canel Bell (laughs) and then do nothing personal because it actually, think about it. You get athletes. You get executives. You get different points of view. And we're going to talk about a lot of stuff because I really want the guys at CBS, our bosses, I want them to white knuckle it. Yeah. Get nervous. Get white knuckle it. Like what we're about to talk about. That's right. That's a white knuckle conversation. Third rail kind of stuff. Yes. And I'm doing it every day, Monday through Friday. I love it. Make sure you check that out. Don't do too well. Like, don't make us look bad. All right. Don't do too well. Or is it like we, we can all do like, I was just going to say, right. I always root for the teams in my city. So I rooted for the Dolphins. I rooted for the Heat because all ships rise with the tide. There we go. So what you should be saying is, God, I crush it. Crush it. All right. Just don't crush it past us too far. Can you imagine? (laughs) All right. Let's dive in. I don't know. I don't know if this would get our bosses too white knuckled because we are not in business as a brand with China specifically. Sure. Yes. Sports. Now, well, it probably does. There are some tentacles that go very deep across there. But as far as it relates to the NBA has a deal with ESPN, which is very specific. It's a billion, you know, three billion dollar deal with uh, ESPN. So they're a little bit more cautious about it. I think we can have a little bit more of an open, honest discussion about it. Um, yesterday when Raja and I talked about it, um, it was still sort of fresh and it is still very much a developing story and it continues to be a story that will not go away. The way I described it is this is a no-win situation for Adam Silver and the NBA. Where they are now, they cannot come out of this as winners. He's trying to take the middle road. He's right. trying to say it's okay for the players to have freedom of expression. He's also apologizing to the billions of people in China who are offended. He's trying to appease the people who are the corporate sponsors in China Basically, he's trying to answer to all masters. The problem is in this situation, you have to choose your path. And Adam Silver is smart right now. He has not chosen a path because so far, the paths which have presented themselves all end in game over. Yeah. So he's waiting to figure out with his advisors and with consultation, he's going to meet with people. He's going to meet with Chinese Americans. He's going to meet with government officials. He's going to meet with people on both sides of the aisle, PR people. Other owners, they are going to take a very calculated approach to this. 
this is not an example of a DUI, which I'm not downplaying. It's not an example of a domestic violence situation, which I'm not downplaying. This is something that has significant financial impact, significant political impact, and you can't handle that in the course of 24 hours. No, I think what they desperately need is to get their players out of there. Not from a safety standpoint, but they just, they need the, the, all the tensions to de-escalate. They need the regular season to start. Like give, get, like go back to just watching basketball, right? Like that's, I'm sure in his mind, like, can we get there? I think in the U.S. where our attention span is about 15 minutes on stories, right? There's sort of a 24 hour news cycle. That is not the case with this. It is not going away. The it's way a slow bleed right now. It is a slow bleed. Um, he released his initial statement, which did defend Daryl Morey's, um, right to free speech and said, we don't necessarily agree with him, but we respect his right to have his opinion in our country. We're allowed to do that. And, um, China's CCTV released a statement that said, nope, well, we don't care. Uh, we are strongly dissatisfied and opposed Adam's claim to support Maury's rights of free expression. We believe that any speech that challenges national sovereignty and social stability is not within the scope of freedom of speech. And they're right in China, but that's not the way we do things in America. So I think it's Harsh. outstanding that China released that statement because that's actually how they feel. <laughs> so exactly. in our world of sports and media here in the U.S., too often, which is why I have a show. I am decoding what athletes and owners and executives do when they take the podium and the things that they say that don't make any sense. What China did is they released a statement that exactly reflects what they feel. It goes against every principle we have, but it doesn't address the business issue. And what Adam Silver and the NBA could have done differently just now, Danny, they canceled the media availability for the players mm -hmm. pregame. Yep. There's a game that starts at 7.30 a.m. Eastern time tomorrow between the Lakers, Lakers and, Nets. and the Nets. Do you think there's any chance that game happens? Zero. I don't either. And they should have canceled it already. You take down the game. You cancel the media session. You cancel all the appearances. If you're the NBA, you're Adam if Silver. If you're the NBA, you take control of it. You don't let China cancel it, which is what's happening. You don't let the picture of all the signage being taken down. Which is happening as we speak. All the promotions that are going on. It's, it's nighttime right now live in China. It is uh, almost 11 o'clock. So right now, all these signs are being taken down. And you don't think the NBA and Adam Silver are huddling right now thinking what to do with the game? I think you take control there. We, we've got video of it. They're painting over the signs. Yep. I mean, they are actively erasing the NBA, specifically the Rockets, is the sign we're seeing now on the uh, on the show. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, you know, the Rockets, it is Daryl Morey. Do you, like, if you were Adam Silver, what would you do? Because I don't, would you, would you recommend that Morey is fine? Because it does seem to me like China as a state is going to say, we want to see heads roll. Some, something has to happen. So somebody has to be fired for this to happen. But on the other hand, if you're Adam Silver and you recommend to the Rockets that you do this and the Rockets actually fired Daryl Morey, then you'd have Americans would say, hold on a second. This was just a guy who sent out an innocuous tweet or seemingly innocuous tweet. Yeah. And so I think it's that's where it becomes really dicey and you have to kind of choose your master here, which do you want to tick off maybe your American fan base, which is where you're based, or the billions of fans that you have in a communist country? It's a right. So I don't, I don't know. So let's, there's, I don't there's think he can fire Daryl Morey or anybody well, can. Daryl Morey will not be the GM of the Houston Rockets in game one of the 2020 season. So next year, I believe what that if they won the championship. So it's funny. <laughs> I said it yesterday in a, in a rehearsal for nothing personal yep. that starts on the 14th. I said, Hey, you know, Daryl Morey 
unless he lifts the Larry O'Brien trophy, he can't survive this. And I thought about it overnight, and I'm not even sure the Larry O'Brien trophy, which means they've won the NBA title. I don't think that can help him. But it's because of the U.S. that that would happen. The way it works in China, China's not calling Adam Silver and saying, fire Daryl Morey. Right. China takes it into its own hands. They're covering up the Houston Rockets signs. They're deleting the NBA. They're deleting the Rockets, right? (laughs) They don't care if Morey gets fired or not. You don't think so? You don't think that would appease them? No. What appeases them, they take into their own hands, and they're doing it. They're canceling events, and they are But don't you think it's because they weren't happy with Adam Silver's response to Daryl Morey? They've seen no—in their eyes, they've seen no response. There's been no repercussions for this outrageous tweet, which challenged this movement in Hong Kong. They're unhappy with the NBA. Clearly. Right, so that's why they're doing what they're doing. And they're not—the NBA can't fire Daryl Morey and erase everything that's happened. So it's going to take diplomacy. And, I, and, you know, we talk in the 70s about ping pong diplomacy, yeah. which took place. This is some sort of, you know, lottery ball diplomacy where they have to figure out a way to get this business back on track. And the reason I say that, it's big business for the NBA. Oh, my gosh. We're not. Huge. This is in the B. This starts with a B. This is Paul Giamatti territory. Yep. We're not just talking about millions of dollars where you can walk away from it if you're the NBA. A lot of the value of the assets. Joseph Sy bought the Nets for $2.3 billion. And a big part of that is this NBA China business, which is why this issue is not going away anytime soon. Uh, it definitely is. I was going to say it's Bobby Axelrod type of money there with the billions reference. Um, it's getting worse. The G League, um, games have been canceled. Um, they're can't, I think they're going to cancel this when they're canceled. From a American perspective, it's hard for me to understand. Not familiar. I've never been to China. Never really studied what's going on. I know there's some awful, horrific human rights violations. I know they try to stamp down religion. You know, there's just a lot of things that aren't America, right? It's a communist country. Um, so it's hard for me to understand how people in China would want to defend this, like Yao Ming, who played on the Houston Rockets, who, according to Adam Silver, who called him. I mean, I'm sure you talk about diplomacy. You're trying to get guys on your side that can help explain the differences in culture and different political views. And Yao so he Ming. calls Yao Ming. And Yao Ming, according to Adam Silver, said our office – well, maybe it wasn't Adam Silver. Maybe it was somebody in their office who has a relationship. Our office has communicated directly with Yao Ming, and he is extremely upset. I'm not sure he quite accepts how we are operating our business right now. And again, I accept that we are having a difference of opinion. He is extremely hot at the moment, and I understand it. So Yao Ming is in China, right? running the Chinese Basketball Association. Do you think for one second Yao Ming is going to take a position that is against China and the government, (laughs) right? Is that even something that people are sitting around thinking, I know what I'll do. I'm going to call Yao Ming because he played in the NBA. He got rich in the NBA. I am positive he's going to take our view on this. Come on. Well, here's where it gets, here's where I think it gets even more problematic. So I don't know if you saw the story, the 76ers pregame last night in the United States that was played. You had a couple fans, Sam Walks of Chestnut Hill and his wife attended Tuesday night's preseason game between the Sixers and this team from China, the Zhangzhou Long Lions of the Chinese basketball. Said that so awesomely. Just got to say it with confidence. I have no idea if it's right. So Sam Walks. And his wife were holding up signs that said free Hong Kong and free HK in reference to these protests. Yep. I'm sure it's this thing about this is total attention grabbing from Sam Walks, wherever. No offense to him, but this is definitely a play to get on TV. I don't think uh, two weeks ago he was protesting. So stop saying TV. his name then. Okay. All right. Let's so this man example. goes, and you know what happens to him? I assume he got kicked out. He got kicked out in the U.S. 
where there is freedom of speech. Oh, wait. And he was kicked out of the stadium, and they are now upset about it, saying, we were saying free Hong Kong. What's wrong with that in America? That was this gentleman's response to the local station. I've kicked out fans of the stadium, too, for holding signs. So I want to be very clear. No, no, no. I hate Samson signs. Exactly. (laughs) Which I would, too. That's your right to do that as an owner. But this is where this can of worms has been open now. Right. And it's not because I've been, I guarantee you some other fans all of a sudden are going to be major protesters to free Hong Kong, even though they probably had no idea. You're allowed in the U.S. So the rules of engagement are very simple. We get to control when you come into our ballpark, we get to control what you bring in. If we say plastic bags only, it's plastic bags. If we say no liquid, it's no liquid. If we say no roast beef sandwich, it's no roast beef sandwich. We are in a democratic society, but guess what? I'm in charge of what happens in a ballpark if you choose to buy a ticket and come in. Now, it's your right not to go to a stadium. I get that. And plenty of Miamians exercise that right to not go to games. I get that, too. But in terms of political signs, we would not allow them. Yep. It's because that's just – we don't want – We're that's not our job. We're a sports team. We were not taking a position in any of the elections or any of the things going on locally. We are up in, against the clock, so we have to take a break. I'm just going to stir the pot right here because I like doing it sometimes. So we've already seen the flames of this fire get bigger and bigger. You know what? who hasn't chimed in yet? LeBron? No. Bigger. Bigger than LeBron and Trump? More, yes. If he weighs in and it's one way or another, imagine then all of a sudden we're already in a trade war with China. Imagine if he starts weighing in, well, how contentious this is. This is impacting like, like, the stock market. not going Danny. away. Just yeah. so you know, it's impacting the stock markets. There's issues with public oh, companies today, so. that they, where these prices could drop if the NBA teams in value go down. Yeah. So it's, it's serious. Uh, it's definitely not going away anytime soon. Uh, thanks for joining us, man. Monday, 330? Uh, Monday is the audio debut. So download it wherever you get your podcasts on October 21st, CBS Sports HQ, CBSSports.com. Join us. Can't wait to check it out. It's nothing personal, Danny. Philadelphia has long been revered as one of the most hostile environments to play in, uh, whether you're a home team player or an opposing player. As a New York Giants go in there to Philly and they'd say, hey, leave your helmet on because you don't want to get hit with batteries from the stands. They've booed Santa Claus. They've had a judge in the stadium so they could uh, legislate all the fights that take place during games. And now the Philadelphia Flyers have created something maybe to help alleviate some of those issues that take place in Philly. They have a rage room. That's right. They have a room set up. It's got TVs. It's got chairs. And you can go in there. You can basically destroy everything. You let out all your rage uh, against whoever, whether it's the home team. If you're upset with the Flyers, they're losing. Whether it's the officials, whether it's the opponents. And you go in there and basically destroy everything in sight uh, in Philadelphia. I think it's a pretty good idea. It's kind of funny when you go there, but how long do you think this lasts? Because how long before this gets out of hand? Uh, they're supposed to wear protective gear with the full face mask. What happens if that comes in? Do you let multiple fans in? Because all of a sudden you can see a melee breaking out, which would be an absolute disaster. There is a hidden camera where I bet you'll see the rage room displayed over the entire arena and everybody goes nuts as somebody's destroying the rage room. Just a prediction there. Um, in college basketball news, I believe it was a Friday night or Thursday night late at the uh, late night at the Fog in Kansas, the University of Kansas. Snoop Dogg was giving a concert. A lot of schools bring in entertainers to have concerts. Uh, that's not a big deal. What is a big deal is the entertainment that Snoop brought with him. So he had poles and dancers dancing on those poles. And you can just use your imagination if you're not able to see the video of what those dancers were doing. 
They also had money guns where they're spitting out money, dollar bills, at the dancers, at the crowd, and everywhere else. And everybody was up in arms saying, man, this is Kansas who is in violation of the NCAA. They've had a contentious battle with them. They've been, uh, you know, uh, um, looked at for some of their improprieties as a basketball program. And this essentially is them, everybody assumed, giving the middle finger to the NCAA saying, no, look at this. I have a different view. I think Jeff Long is their athletic director. I think when he says, hey, I saw acrobatic dancers, I honestly believe him. I don't think he knew they were going to be pole dancers out there putting on that type of show. I know him. I meet him. I think it went by him. Now, did Bill Self know? Probably. And that's where it gets a little bit more dicey. And Kansas all of a sudden has won over a lot of fans who are saying, yeah, let's see more of this where more schools are willing to stand up the NCAA and say, go ahead. What are you guys going to do um, for this situation? But Snoop Dogg said, hey, when you pay for Snoop Dogg, you're going to get Snoop Dogg. I had the time of my life. I enjoyed myself. Uh, there was also reports of another student who was running by a local TV station who was vitting it and said, that was awesome. Of course you did. You're in college. Snoop Dogg was there with some dancers. Bring us more Snoop Dogg. Bring us more of those. Just dial back the polls a little bit. All right, that's a wrap. Hopefully we get Raja back tomorrow. Get better, man. See ya.